values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you joining us for the final hour of the show on a Monday. We've got to talk about the border as Arizona is now suing the federal government to keep these shipping containers along the southern border. I don't understand. I have talked about in my mind the Biden administration being completely out of touch with the average American. And it's not just Republicans. I, listen, I don't expect that President Biden is ever going to do something to earn my vote. I don't think that's even possible. And I don't think he wants it. And I don't blame him. That's partisan politics. Democrats and Republicans. I get that. You know, it's the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's just how it is. The battle lines have been drawn. But in this country, but especially here in Arizona, Maricopa County, the number one voter demographic is independent voters. Now, there are right-leaning independents and left-leaning independents and truly moderate independents. But they have no party affiliation and they are listening. They are watching and listening to what this administration is doing and what candidates across the state of Arizona are saying about what they do if elected. And when the president of the United States and the White House and the federal government, the biggest action they've taken on the border, as far as I can see since they've taken office, is to come after the state of Arizona for these shipping containers. What are they going to do? How are they going to defend this in court? I mean this very sincerely. The optics of this, with um, 2.7 million encounters in one year, a record beyond records, when a huge uptick, I believe it was 98 people on the terror watch list caught at the southern border. This weekend, the story of a trained or a known assassin trying to get into the country. And you're going to tell Arizona they have to take these shipping containers down. You're actually going to now go to court and defend this. The optics are absolutely abysmal for this administration. The fact that Arizona has to do this, the fact that Arizona is stacking shipping containers and gaps in the border wall in Yuma is horrible optics for the federal government. But now the fact that you're going to tell them they have to take them down and you're going to now have to defend yourself in court when Arizona sues, it's an amazing, it's an amazing twist. And it is the optics are abysmal. They are just insanely bad. Um. This administration has failed on the border issue. I believe that they are failing miserably on the economy, and the American voter um, mindset says so. What's interesting about this is the complaints in media. Um, when people have these opinions, you hear from some members uh, of the of the, let's say the left will say, "Well, it's because the media is the narrative in the media." I'm like, okay, it's not just a narrative in the media; it's what people's actual lives are like right now. If you you live anywhere near the border here in Arizona. I've told this story so many times. I hope somebody's fact checking me on this. Was it 80 miles north of the southern border in Pinal County? Um, I think it's along I-8. There are signs that tell you that this is a known drug corridor. Do not pick up hitchhikers. Do not stop for abandoned vehicles. Do not pick up abandoned packages because it's a known drug corridor. We realize that the Tohono O'odham Nation, the tribal land, straddles the southern border with, with, in Mexico. So actually, it, it, you would say that Pinal County is in that regard a border uh, county because it borders the Tohono O'odham Nation to their south. 
So there are many of the times that these drug traffickers, these cartels are coming through, whether it's human traffic or whatever it is, through what's called the Vico Valley, and it's coming into Pinal County. And it's disastrous what's happening, and everybody knows it. And if you live in a border state, you've experienced it. If you've been in Arizona any length of time, we used to have stories all the time of the drop houses in Metro Phoenix, Scottsdale. They would find 40, 50, 60 people in a three-bedroom house crammed in there because they were on hold until more money was given to the cartels for these people to be released. Somebody would escape, the police would get called, and the police would move in. And it is not any better now. And here we have this argument going on about the southern border. I I just – I'll be honest with you. I don't know how anybody with a straight face can make that conversation, make that argument. So Arizona is suing, saying we have a right to do this. The Arizona Department of Emergency and Military Affairs, which has been in charge of the wall project, said in a response sent earlier this week the state would keep barriers in place until receiving detailed construction plans from the federal government. The lawsuit names the U.S. Forest Service, the Bureau of Reclamation and Agriculture Department, spokespeople for those agencies didn't respond for a request for comment. The Justice Department also didn't respond to a request for comment. Of course they don't. This is the worst optics you can have for this administration. The numbers are out of the number of people that were encountered at the border set an extreme record. The number of gotaways is up in another record. The number of people on the terror watch list in this country illegally, another record. This is what has to stop. And what's worse about this, I think what is the worst byproduct of this, well, I shouldn't say the worst, the worst byproduct of this is the human trafficking. Young men, large, mostly young men forced into the drug trades as drug mules and drug dealers and cartel workers, and young women forced into the sex trade, which is even worse and more disgusting of what's happening to these young women. That's the worst part of what's happening down at the border. But I think one of the unintended consequences of all of this is that Americans are beginning to sour on immigration as a whole. And it is something that I, is wrong that we as a nation, we should be proud of our immigration system. That's my biggest fear is that more and more Americans are looking at the situation and saying enough is enough. We've got millions of people that have come here illegally, and it's causing big problems for the U.S. And if people that are truly trying to be politically correct in a good way and saying we don't want to shame anyone – by calling everybody migrants because, you know, the progression, it, 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 it sounds crass now, but the progression, you can't fault people for what culture was. We called people in this country illegally. They were just called illegals or illegal aliens, and then they were undocumented aliens, and then they were undocumented migrants, and now they're just all called migrants. Well, they're not all migrants. There isn't. We have migrants to this country that have done it the right way, that, that respect the American laws, that do it the right way. And I understand the plight of people that say, well, they're not in the same situation where they can afford to do it the right way. I understand that, too. I'm not a heartless person. The people that know me know I am not a heartless person. But as I've said before, you would not call a shoplifter at the grocery store a customer. I'm a customer. I'm here buying products and taking them to the counter and running them through the scanner and paying for them. I'm a customer. If you're coming in and stealing, you're not a customer. You're a shoplifter. And calling us both customers is an insult to me. Well, what about the mother that's stealing for her family? I understand it. I'm not saying I don't understand it. I'm not heartless. But she still isn't a customer. She's still a shoplifter. And the reason why it's such an important distinction is we have got to have a really robust, good immigration system. I will tell you the workforce we could have. 
if we could take the people that are coming here and claiming false asylum claims, and we were sending the word to these countries, we need a workforce in the U.S. There are so many jobs in construction and other places where we are failing to hire people to do this job. If you want to come here, apply for that work permit. Don't come here seeking asylum and some false claim. We're just going to send you back, and you're going to have to start all over. Tell us who you are, let us vet who you are, show us you have a job, and you can go to work here in the U.S. and cross the border back and forth legally through a point of entry or a port of entry, and it solves a lot of the problems. We can't even get that done. So instead of us being proud of our immigration system and our immigration problem and the number of people that want to come here, it's a source of anger and disdain and shame. And it's got to change. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? We're going to do it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the biggest headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard was on the show today and discussed voter intimidation at ballot drop-off locations. It's tense, you know, and I just worry that behavior such as this is so counterproductive and is just really meant to further stoke some passions that we know are high. How do you defuse the situation? Oh, I wish I had the answer to that question. I just think... There are so many people out there that are concerned that the elections are compromised. And one of the biggest ways they think that it's capable of compromising election is with mail-in ballots in these drop-off locations. I understand that. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. But the fact of the matter is it's got to be people that believe that the election was stolen that have to speak up. You have got to tell these people tactical gears and bandanas, tactical gear and bandanas over your faces and intimidating people. And that is absolutely intimidating. When you do that, you make everyone that believes like you look bad. They are going to use this against you with the candidates you support. They're going to connect those candidates to these kinds of actions. You're doing no good for anyone. It's self-serving. It's childish. It's mean. And it's scary. Knock it off. And if it isn't the people that are against uh, are in favor of uh, some changes to the election, you have to speak up. I don't think the election was stolen. So when I speak up, they don't listen to me. It's got to be people in their camp that have to tell them, knock this off, because you're making everyone who believes the election was compromised in 2020, probably by mail-in votes, you, you making them all look crazy, and you got to knock it off. The United States has set a new record for border crossings. New data from the Border Patrol shows there were 2.7 million migrant encounters along the southern border in the last year, crushing the previous record set in 2021 when officers encountered 1.9 million migrants. What policies does the federal government need to put in place to lessen the burden on the border? Oh, my gosh. I think what they need to do is let people know like they've done with the Venezuelans. Um... And what I mean by that is with the Venezuelans, there's a new policy that was established by the White House. They have sent word to Venezuela and to the Venezuelan people. If you come to the U.S. border from Venezuela, you will be turned around and you will be sent back. There has been a dramatic reduction in the number of Venezuelans cap captured at the southern border. So the message is if they know they'll be turned back, they won't risk it, they won't spend the money, and the numbers will drop. This message has to be sent to more and more people. And just 
just so you know, I just did the math. Um, 2.7 million people, I believe, is 7,397, almost 7,400 people a day. That is a number we can't live with. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. According to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, which acts as a national report card, there was a sharp decline in certain test scores between 2019 and 2022. Declines were seen among high and lower performing students in fourth and eighth grade in both math and reading. Math scores for eighth grade fell by eight points from 282 in 2019 to 274 this year. How can schools support teachers who need to get students back on track? Well, there's two things that can be done here. Number one, we have to kind of, we have to really put this in in very serious terms and let parents know that we are no longer going to pass kids through and give them remedial classes. If we have to stop up the system and nobody gets through until they can read at grade level and make it that serious, I think we have to let people know that the standard is going to be that. And then what we have to do is allow teachers to teach. Get rid of a curriculum. If you are a language arts teacher, you should be teaching language arts. That's it. Nothing else. Focus. It's hard to keep a kid's uh, attention anyway, but we need to focus strictly on those. If you're a math teacher, you should be teaching nothing but math. You should make sure that they are prepared for these math tests, but you should also be making sure that they understand how to perform math skills. And keep in mind, all of us, these are the kids that will be taking care of us in 20 years. When I'm 75 years old, these will be the people that are running the economy. So this is in our own best interest as well. President Julia Coronado of the National Association for Business Economics says there are signs of a recession looming. The fact that businesses keep passing prices along means the Fed is going to have to do a little bit more to uh, cool off those inflation pressures. Will we see another rate hike in the near future? Yeah, I think we're going to see another three quarters of a point. That's what the promise was probably before the end of the year. I would say sometime between January or November 8th on Election Day and, and December 1st, I think it's going to happen. I think that we have no choice but to do that because inflation continues to grow and it, we need to slow things down in order to make that happen. The bad news is it's going to cost a lot more money to borrow money. Uh, companies are going to struggle with credit and you're going to see the economy slow down. The problem is for them, can they slow it down? without having it drop off a cliff. That's what everybody is afraid of right now. All right, great job, Julia. That is Monday's edition of Did You Hear This? We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. Uh, what we're going to do in a moment is a little more from my conversation, some of the things you have not heard of my conversation yesterday with Carrie Lake, gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. So we'll do that coming up here in just a couple of moments. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, it was an interesting conversation that aired yesterday on AZTV7, and most of you know the background and what happened is uh, the, the uh, Citizens Clean Election Commission offers debates to candidates across the state. It's part of their mandate. They are a government agency, and so they have been running debates in partnership with PBS for about 20 years. There was a big dust-up that happened a week or so ago when – a debate was offered to both Kerry Lake and Katie Hobbs, the two gubernatorial candidates, and Katie Hobbs refused to debate. And what has happened in the past, and it happened even in this election cycle in the primary, where Katie Hobbs uh, declined a debate with Marco Lopez in the primary. He was a Democratic challenger in the primary. 
So as accustomed as their rules stipulate or as the agreement is, the candidate that does show up gets a 30-minute interview as opposed to a debate between two candidates. And that's what happened. Mr. Lopez got a 30-minute interview. Katie Hobbs did not. Same thing happened in the general election where it was offered to both candidates. Only um, Carrie Lake was going to show up. Katie Hobbs was not. But right before that was set to happen, they found out that Katie Hobbs was also getting a 30-minute interview in, in direct contrast to what Clean Election says they've done for 20 years. So it caused a big dust up. They severed their relationship with PBS, at least temporarily, and AZTV7 jumped in and said, we, we will be your media partner if you'll have us. Clean Elections vetted a bunch of people. As a matter of fact, the media got this right, um, that uh, they vetted a lot of people, and I ended up being asked to do it. I was honored. I was shocked, but I was honored, and uh, we did it. And I believe I was fair. I didn't want to be a part of the story. I don't believe I was the story. The questions were the story, but especially the answers to those questions were the story. We talked about everything from election integrity and denial. We then moved from there onto the economy. From the economy, we moved on to the border. From the border, we moved on to education. Those were the four big topics. There were a couple that we didn't get to. Water was one of them we didn't get to. We ran out of time. But the question is this for the Arizona voters or from the Arizona voters to all candidates. What are you going to do and how are you going to do it? And that's what we tried to get to. So when it came to immigration, we talked. When it came to election integrity, I thought that was a big one because of what has been said about the 2020 elections, what's being said about the 2022 elections. We talked a few minutes ago about Stephen Richard. We had him on today about these people that are camping outside of election drop-off or I say ballot drop-off boxes. And so this was a big issue. And But immigration, I want to jump into some of the topics in education. Um, and so the education topic. We talked with her about what the solution is to the problems. I read off statistics and how abysmal, not just Arizona, but the entire nation is on educating our children in the basics. But when it comes specifically to Arizona, how do we fix the problem? I think we're spending $8.3, $8.4 billion, more than half of our state budget goes to education. So next time you hear someone saying we need more money in education, that's not the answer. I think we're going to see a lot of these problems sort themselves out, actually, with ESA for All. And I want to give the hardworking moms and dads who fought for that a credit because our legislature passed it and our governor signed it. And that is a true legacy for Governor Ducey. I'm really proud that he signed that. And uh, there's a lot of conversation about ESA, and I would say I don't I don't ever think that I'm going to convince somebody that my way is best. If you're dead set in your ways, you have a right. We're going to debate it, and I'm going to try to convince other people and not you as you're going to try to convince other people and not me. But I think the way we debate an issue is, is necessary. I think we should have an open conversation. But it's going to be really hard for teacher organizations and others to scream and yell about the possibility of these ESA accounts or what they're now calling them as education-saving accounts, saving accounts where uh, parents can actually use their tax dollars that are allotted to their children if they want to send them to a private school, use it for tuition or homeschooling or whatever else. Um, it's hard to argue that we shouldn't do something like this when we have failed so miserably for as long as we have in Arizona. And that's where I think this program deserves an opportunity. I'm also someone that can be transparent myself. I'm, I'm rarely right all the time. 
But I think this direction is the way that schools should be going. The world has changed. There are more options for everything. And giving people options breeds and builds competition. And so when you have competition in the market, that that causes people to be stronger and thrive. I know it's kind of a silly analogy, but this town, if you look around, is known as a foodie town. Restaurants here are really good. And it you cannot just be a good restaurant and survive in this town anymore. You have got to be great. And even then. It's tough because there are so many good ones. I live in the Arcadia area, and if you look around in that Arcadia area at the phenomenal places there are, they fight for every dollar they get. And we're talking about exceptional restaurants. You know, I go if you look in the Biltmore's, then over to the Arcadia area, you look at someone was at Seasons Fifty Two. You look at that restaurant and how great they are. You look at Hillstone right down the street, Chelsea's Kitchen, uh, LGO, um, Buck and Rider. You look at uh, all. Of them, the Henry. Um, you've even got uh, cold beer and cheeseburgers right across the street from the porch. Um, and if you don't live in these neighborhoods, this is meaningless to you. But I'm, I'm spouting off names because the competition is fierce. They are fighting for the dollar, which means they have to strive for excellence. Which also means if you work there, if you want to, if I'm going to carry on the analogy, if you are the chef or the principal of the school. You've got a menu that's drawing people in. Your value is phenomenal. If you're one of the teachers or one of the servers at that restaurant, you are one of the bartenders or you are one of the waiters or waitresses or hosts or hostesses. You are the ones that greet the public or you're a cook that's working in the kitchen and you are doing an excellent job. You are in high demand because it's hard to find employees. And I believe that's how it's going to work in schools, that in order for schools to maintain excellence, they are going to have to pay teachers more, which means they're going to have to cut the fat. They're going to have to cut out some of these curriculums. They're going to have to show, and I guarantee you this is coming, what you are going to see from the schools publicly in the districts will be sent out to families via, whether it's uh, digitally or through the mail, they will be saying over the next couple of years, look at how much our test scores have gone up. Our school is one of the highest uh, growing schools when it comes to reading and math scores in the entire state of Arizona because now they're touting their excellence and how kids are learning to read and kids are learning more in math. This will become the focus because that's how they're going to keep parents keeping their children or wanting to have their children in those schools. That's how it's going to happen. And that, that more than anything else, is what's going to start transitioning things to excellence. When you have a teacher that everybody loves, and we all know who those teachers are. Man, my kid really loved this teacher. Oh my gosh, I love that teacher too. She was great or he was great. If you've got a teacher that are getting butts in seats, you look what they do in college. When you have a choice of what college to go to and you're spending money on college tuition, why are they paying people like Elizabeth Warren and these famous people hundreds of thousands of dollars just to teach one class? Why? Because it is a draw and students bring their tuition money there. And they're going to do the same thing with high quality teachers. If you are getting results with your students and your students want to be in that class, you're going to be more sought after just like a great chef, just like anything else. If you're good at what you do, people are going to want you there. And if you're not getting results, schools are going to have to get you remedial training or they're going to have to find someone else to do the job. That's how excellence happens. And that we can't settle for anything less than that for kids in schools. We can't. We can't do it one day longer. Coming up in a moment, uh, 
It just made me laugh. And after the day we've had today in the news, I think we might just need to laugh at something. The vice president of the United States was asked about the administration and climate change. Her response was so funny that I saved it for the end of the show. You're going to hear it coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Saving the best for last, right? We got to laugh a little bit. It was a stressful weekend for me. Um, uh, again, I want to say thank you to the uh, uh, the members of the media leaving me out of it. I was a part of that whole conversation of what it was going to be like before it happened, but they said not very little after it was over, which I was very happy about. Um, I didn't want to have anything to do with being a part of the story, and I'm glad that I wasn't. I'm glad that Carrie Lake and her answers were. No matter what you think of Carrie Lake, she should have been the center of attention in the way she answered those questions. But it was a stressful weekend for me and for the entire team over at AZTV7 um, in putting that together. I had the easier part of that as far as time-consuming goes. There were a lot of people involved in putting that together that really worked hard. That would have been a great undertaking if it took six months, and they were able to do it in about a week. So Brian Sizik, uh, especially over at AZTV7, uh, and the rest of the team, uh, Aaron and Alyssa and everybody else on the team, uh, did a fantastic job. But, man, the, the work that was done by Michael Petri and by by uh, Brian Sizik really was remarkable. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because if I was stressed, he, uh, Brian was, was was ready to jump out a window by the time it was all done. So I figured we'd save the best for last and just laugh a little bit. Now, you're going to hear this. Uh, Vice President Harris being asked about climate change. What are some of the things that this administration has done to affect climate change or something like that is the question. Oh, boy, you're going to love this. What are some of the climate actions that the administration has taken that folks may not know so much about? Well, a lot of it has to do with a a real intentionality that we have uh, to reshift industries and um, do that in a way that we are emphasizing the importance of U.S. investment in U.S.-based R&D, research and development. Uh, the, the president and I both care deeply about the importance of investing in, in, in scientists and engineers and, and that research. <laughs> um, many of you may know my mother was a scientist. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. She is just so good. If if somebody out there, as much as I keep telling you that – that I am a big fan of the restaurants around town. I've become a, a food nerd. Um, if one of you does not put a Vice President Harris salad on your menu, you're missing the opportunity. That was the biggest word salad I've ever heard in my life. She said nothing. She said intentionality, reshifting industries, whatever that means, emphasis on research and development. We care. We really care about this. And oh, did, did you guys know my mother was a scientist? Do you remember what they did to Sarah Palin over Alaska? Do you remember that? It was She never said, I can see Alaska from my house. That's how good the Saturday Night Live skit was of her. People really thought it was her that said it. But they went after Sarah Palin. Oh, my gosh. Why is Saturday Night Live not doing their cold open about this every single day? That was embarrassing. And these were kids that were asking her questions. What have you done? And the word salad 
Well, it has to do a lot with intentionality. Do you remember the girl? And I wish I could remember her name. I, I It's weird. I have this weird thing about me. I don't get embarrassed usually. Like, I don't get embarrassed by things. But I don't, like, I don't go to karaoke very often because I will jump up there and sing. But I get embarrassed for other people. You know the drunk girl that wants to sing a song to her best friend and cries when she sings it? I get embarrassed for her. So I get embarrassed for other people. Do you remember the beauty pageant contestant years ago that started talking about maps and she had no idea what she was – I mean how all over the place she was and it was just the most embarrassing, cringeworthy answer? That's Vice President Harris on just about everything she says. So I thought I'd save that for you. Well, let's, let's do it. And one more time. This is Vice President Harris. What are some of the climate actions that the administration has taken that folks may not know so much about? Well, a lot of it has to do with a, a real intentionality that we have uh, to reshift industries and um, do that in a way that we are emphasizing the importance of U.S. investment in U.S.-based R&D, research and development. Uh, the, the president and I both care deeply about the importance of investing in, in, in scientists and engineers and, and that research. <laughs> um, many of you may know my mother was a scientist. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That is so good. Oh, my gosh. Uh, many of you may know... <laughs> My mother was a scientist. Oh, great. Okay, thanks. And that was, uh, that made my day when I heard that. It was just, um, again, it, we've all had bosses that have to give a presentation. And when they start uh, spewing out words like synergy and, uh, and things of that nature, you know that they are just grasping for something to say to fill time. That's every time the vice president speaks. Just about out of time. If you're a social media user, would love to keep in touch between shows. It'd be great. At Broomhead KTAR is where you can find me on Twitter. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Would love to stay in touch between shows, so please do that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning, beginning just after 8 o'clock. Until then, have a great day. God bless.